Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 44. Our mission is to maximize benefits and mitigate the potential harms of uh, science and technology, especially the emerging uh, technologies. From cross-border e-commerce and digital payments to teleconferencing with business partners around the world to replacing physical documents with uh, electronic uh, records, digital trade is more important than, than ever. I'm Dipesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. It's never been a more important time to recognize and accelerate the adoption of technology to help enhance, promote, and ease global trade. Moreover, there are many challenges associated with the advancement of technologies, which are coinciding with the rapid emergence of ecological constraints, the advent of increasingly multipolar international order, and rising inequality. And to add to that, the economic and health impacts of the global pandemic coronavirus have been huge in terms of societal impacts. With that in mind, today I'm delighted to be joined by World Economic Forum's Ziang Fan, joining us from San Francisco. Ziang, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. Well, good day. Thanks for having me. Now, it's quite a while ago since we uh, last caught up face-to-face, I think perhaps at the uh, New York World Trade Symposium last year, and, and a lot has happened since. So introductions, let's start with a quick 30-second elevator pitch from you, Ziang. Who are you, where are you from, and what do you do? So my name is Ziang David Pham. I'm the head of digital trade at the World Economic Forum. I am based in the Forum Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution in San Francisco. I'm a lawyer by training and have worked in both international trade and technology in both public and private sectors. Started out at a Wall Street law firm to U.S. government federal agency on trade and to tech companies, in this case, uh, Airbnb. And now I lead tech policy at the Forum on Digital Trade. Thank you very much. So what is the role of the World Economic Forum and how do such public-private partnerships help society? The Forum is the international organization for public-private partnership. Our mission is to improve the state of the world. Public-private partnership, PPPs, is not a new concept, but I do believe that and Forum believes that in the age of technology innovation, it is particularly crucial given that the policymakers and the innovators must, uh, technologists must work hand in hand, given the challenges we face and how fast technologies develop. Absolutely. Let's start with the fourth industrial revolution and before we actually apply a trade lens to that. And it's exciting sometimes just to take a step back and look at the pace of change, Mm -hmm. the -hmm. advancements of tech and the potential for that to improve society. So what is the fourth industrial revolution and what are the aims of this WEF center? I think it's important to provide some background. The center was established in spring of 2017 in San Francisco. Our mission is to maximize benefits and mitigate the potential harms of uh, science and technology, especially the emerging technologies. Our methodology is to close the gap 
between technology and the policy. In many cases, technologies are moving too fast and policies and the governments are lagging behind. Our approach is that we partner with governments, private sector, civil society, and experts in a multi-stakeholder approach to co-design and pilot innovative projects on, on tech policy. I can give up some more examples as we go further into the podcast. And digital trade is uh, obviously part of the conversation. Let's jump straight into digital trade. And and to clarify, we're not just covering digital trade finance here, which obviously we speak about quite a lot on trade finance talks, rather the flow of trade in services, i.e. the rapid technological change and digitalization. What is digital trade as you see it at WF and what's the focus? We take a rather broad approach on digital trade. At the base, we are aligned with the OECD's definition. Um, it's the digitally enabled transactions in trade in goods and services that can be delivered both digitally or physically, right? So that would include everything from cross-border e-commerce, buying something online, or booking an Airbnb in other country, telework, Zoom, the thing we're on right now, cross-border digital payments, a variety of that. In addition to that, we actually also added this concept of digitizing trade. So we call it trade tech, just like there's fintech or red tech, but the trade sector, we also should have something that's uh, focused on technology. So we call it trade tech, which is to deployment of technologies to make trade more efficient and inclusive. I guess for in trade finance case, it will touch on both sides, both on the digital services, well, trading, good, trading goods and services through digital means, as well as digitizing trade. That makes sense. And I think there's a lot of exciting work on trade tech, and I'm sure there'll be lots more to come this year. Let's focus on new technologies. And I remember, I think it was at the ICC annual meeting last year in in Beijing when, when this topic really came up. It would be great to hear your view on how the advancement of new technologies such as machine learning, big data, automation, even 3D printing could affect trade. And and it would be good to go into a bit more detail here because I think the mistake is often let's apply the idea of ML or AI into our processes so that we can say we're doing that as opposed to addressing the problem itself. And I'm sure you have the similar experiences. For the time, I love to spend just, you know, days on this, but uh, for the time being, I think maybe I'll focus on three, four top technologies. One, as you said, you know, is uh, machine learning or AI. We have a, this uh, project called a Trade Tech, so which we have been working with and uh, doing those expert consultations with very diverse group of partners and stakeholders, everything from world's largest ocean liners to small startups to policymakers and everyone in between. So what we have found out in terms of use of, uh, let's just say, AI in, in trade, we can kind of boil it down to two areas. One is for using AI for optimization. For example, a large ocean liner would uh, use uh, AI to calculate the best and most efficient shipping route to reduce time, uh, wait time at port, for example, and also as a result, to reduce emissions so boats or trucks don't have to stay idly, right? Or there's a small startup called Adorabot, we just spoke last week. What they do is they make robots for the warehouses. For them, is they use AI to help them calculate how do you unload 50,000 packages in the most efficient way and in what sequence, right? That's another example is to optimization. Another very common use is the predictive analysis 
For example, even use the same package, the same example about this week you received X number of packages. But what about next week? What about the week after that? What are you likely to receive based on the data you have? So that you can staff your labor and machines properly. Or in terms of transportation, what when will the trucks or truck arrive at the destination? Or uh, in this uh, one case, I spoke with a um, company called Truckle. The CEO told me a story about how apparently uh, there is a correlation between temperature and how much beer people purchase. So if you are in in, a, uh, in this business, you can use AI to help you predict. Okay, what's the temperature going to be like next week or uh, tomorrow, and uh, how much beer should I try to stock in my warehouse? So I think that's that's one area. Another area that we see the use of AI. Uh, of course, there's a lot of policy and also cultural and operational challenges can go cover a bit of that later. Another area you mentioned uh, automation is definitely, and we also um, have seen the um, use of uh, automation in trade is nothing new. But COVID, I think that's an interesting angle. In some places, because of the restriction on physical movements, there's actually shortage of labor in this labor disruption because of COVID. So in some cases, the machines, the automation actually stepped in and companies are more open or be uh, required or be forced in a way back because of COVID pandemic to onboard more uh, automation and machines. So um, that's another development we're seeing. You mentioned the 3D printing. Absolutely. This is how we actually have a project on that to study the 3D printing and the impact on trade and customs and movement of goods. It's on our website. I'll be very short on that. In short, you know, 3D printing is about distributed manufacturing. You know, when we are producing more and more products at home or near home, would that mean we would buy and transport less goods from other countries? So what would happen to international trade? There are different uh, schools of thoughts. Um, some predict that will be a huge decrease in trade, as much as by a quarter in the next couple of decades. Some would actually, a World Bank study actually shows that it would increase trade in certain elements. For example, hearing aids. The hearing is actually, any some cases, dental aligners. They are designed in one country and then produced in another country and then shipped back to the original country. So in that case, it actually increases trade. So that's uh, another topic. Last technology, again, not the last, but one of the last technology I mentioned is, I guess, digital payment. Maybe I would call it a technology per se because, you know, it's not like AI or uh, 3D printing, but it is a bundle of digital technologies that are enabling uh, cross-border uh, trade, which I think is extremely important when there's B2B or B2C, there's still a lot of frictions in the network. And as someone who is an expert in trade finance, I'm sure actually have read in, uh, the papers that your organization have put out. I mean, for example, you mentioned there's still $1.5 trillion gap in trade finance. FinTech companies have stepped up but have not yet closed that gap at that much. I think we need to promote interoperability. We need to ensure security and trust and also coordinate oversight to really make a difference. That's also not a project we work on. I will be uh, blockchain. I will be remiss if I didn't mention blockchain. We have a project on using blockchain for tracing a window. It has huge potential. There's still a lot of very stage development. I will not go into depth on this topic because I know that Trade Mining Global has done excellent, excellent work on this topic, including your recent report uh, last year with the uh, WTO. So I'm sure you had already experts talking about that already, but I just want to mention that. So yeah, that's about it. And uh, But before all that, it's digitalization. Before AI, before <laughs> your blockchain, digitization of trade process. That's really the key. Thank you.
it's very interesting because I guess if you take a bit of a, a consulting view on this, there are some parts which are, and I can refer to, let's say, a packet of crisps and, and the problem around a packet of crisps, which is how can you optimize this packet of crisps to the customer? Is there a way that you can put more crisps into the packet or make the packet look like it's got more crisps than it actually has? And really optimizing that. And I think of some of these new technologies as really optimizing that packet of crisps. There are the other ideas which are really around a true revolution, say, in trade, which is ideas such as 3D printing, which you mentioned, which could totally transform goods in trade and also trade routes. And, and as you have said, lots of really interesting scenarios there. Are there any ideas that you have? Let's take a, a view of the world in 2030. How would you envisage the world to potentially be impacted by some of these technologies if we take a, a nine-year view? And predicting the future is always a danger that everyone loves to do that. So I will, I will give it a shot too. This one quick note on 3D printing, I think you're absolutely right. So it's still a tiny part, which ties to this question too. In uh, 3D printing is still a very, very, very small part of the overall manufacturing less than 1% right now, but it's growing at a very fast pace, right? If we actually get to that point, or even the process, what we can predict is that, you know, further, say in 2020, 2030, we will see more, it might be a transition from treating finished goods to raw materials. We call it filament in 3D printing. So the quote-unquote the ink, right, to produce goods. That might be a reduction in intermediate goods. And there could be an increase in cross-border electronic transactions, right, uh, the CAD file in 3D printing. So that's just one example when you say, what would a you know, trade in 2030 uh, look like? I think industries need to look at what they are facing right now and be able to see around the corner. What I mean by that is that, again, using 3D printing as an example, we started out with 3D printing, but if we, if that's big, big if, so I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if it's, you know, there will be reduction trend, what happened to the, the ocean liners or the logistic carriers, right? And if they're going to move less goods, what would happen to the oil and gas companies? Uh, BP is actually sponsoring a study on 3D printing's impact on logistics and movement. Right, so it just shows you that companies are involved in international trade need to look at one technology, not just for uh, on space, like all three degrees, just for manufacturing. I mean, oil or gas has nothing to do with me. That well, that is not how technology is in the fourth industrial revolution. Right, it's different than previous technology revolutions in terms of uh, scale, in terms of speed, in terms of scope. So I think that's something we really, really need to think about in terms of trade. The world is becoming more digital. That is a fact, and trade will be too. There's no question about that. So in 2030, uh, we'll definitely see a world with trade that become more digitized. But in order to get there, we need to close the gap on digital divide. We need to become more connect more SMEs to the global network, and we need to uh, be more equitable to create jobs for both developed countries, developing countries, and in the developed countries for act all segments of societies in, in countries. So I think great opportunities, but also a lot of uh, challenges we have to face. Some technologies can solve, some technology probably cannot. So that's why it's so important to have the whole multi-stakeholder and working with organizations like you to make that uh, happen. Let's talk about that gap and actually in relation to policy, because um, I think that there could be an, an element where policy does get in the way here. Let's talk about trade policy and the polarization or, or moving away from multilateralism. <laughs> so what, what's happening right now and is this hindering economic growth? 
Yeah, um, I was chuckling there because uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it is a challenging um, environment, but I think at the same time just shows exactly how important trade policies are to, to make the right policies. I think in three aspects. One, I think there is uh, the danger of uh, digital protectionism. I think we've been seeing that here and there uh, around the world. I think there's a real need of, to balance legitimate needs versus protective measures. I think uh, one example is cross-border uh, data flows, which is the key uh, the underlying uh, element for ensuring that digital trade can flow among and between uh, countries and regions. Of course, there are very real policy concerns, security, privacy, absolutely. But at the same time, what we need to do is strike balance to address those challenges without you know, just going through the other extreme requiring local storage, local processing. You know? So I think that part it's very challenging. It will involve uh, trade folks and non-trade folks, you know, non-trade industries you know, so it's, uh, and companies. And so it's a really a multi-stakeholder process. But, uh, you know, there are also some um, positive developments. The WTO GSI e-commerce negotiation started last year and uh, actually doubles. It's uh, going strong. Uh, everyone is, I think, last I checked, uh, 84 nations who are part of the negotiations now. So I'm very, very excited about that. Thank you. So the recent focus has been on the COVID-19 pandemic. Do you think that this has accelerated the adoption of digital trade and how? As the physical movements of goods and people have been restricted during the COVID pandemic, digital trade has played a crucial role in keeping trade flowing virtually. From cross-border e-commerce and digital payments to teleconferencing with business partners around the world to replacing physical documents with uh, electronic uh, records, digital trade is more important than, than ever. I think in particular in two areas. One is uh, in digital services. Another area is in digitization of uh, trade. For example, let's take the second one. First, the Digitizing the trade process has been a topic and also a process that has already been happening before COVID. So it's not new. What COVID did was I turned something kind of nice to have to must to have, right? Like if we, you know, I know many places still have the physical have requirements of physical documents for a trade as so well in the trade financing world. But if folks cannot get to the port, folks cannot get to the company and retrieve that physical documents or the, um, what could you do? So I think it's folks um, you know, have to uh, respond to this crisis in very uh, innovative means. Thank you very much, Ziang. And, and I think it's certainly an exciting time for digital trade. But I think also given the recent events, it's so important that we can ensure technology drives inclusive trade growth and also recovery in the digital age. What are your thoughts on this? Well, Dipesh, thank you so much for asking that question because I think that's extremely important, especially given what's going on right now. I think, you know, two things. One, for digital trade to really be effective and take place, we must close the digital divide between developing countries and developed countries. And also within developed countries, there are different segments, for example, the uh, racial minorities. So we need to close that digital divide in order to make digital trade meaningful and so that everyone 
can participate in and benefit from this process. And two, we have to build uh, trusted technologies in order to people to rely on technologies on digital trade. People have to trust it. So everything from privacy to um, online dispute resolution to algorithm that doesn't discriminate against minorities or uh, smaller players. I think we have to do that. So those are at least a couple of things I think we need to do in order to make building inclusive trade a reality. Thank you. Thank you very much, Siang. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on Trade Finance Talks and hopefully we will see you very soon, whether it be digitally or physically. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.